Thank you, ladies and gents, for joining in today. In front of me, I have Nick Seddon. Nick, thank you for uh, taking time out of your schedule. I know you're really busy, guys, so appreciate you uh, being here today. Thanks for having me. Nick is a cosmetic dentist based out of West Vancouver and uh, downtown. He's got two practices. He, uh, I was looking him up on Google today, and he's actually got a 5.0 review on uh, all his reviews there, and he's at 23 of them, so I think it's quite impressive. It really speaks to the work that he does and the caliber of work that he does. He was recently interviewed by Jason Sarai of Style by Sarai, which uh, interviews stylish and professional men in Vancouver. And uh, he's getting into the uh, healthy fast food chain business with Freshie. So I'm really uh, stoked to have him here as he's going to be uh, adding a lot of value today to you guys. And so, Nick, if you want to give yourself a little bit of an introduction, tell people a little more about who you are and what you do, be uh, happy to hear that. Thanks, Phil. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, at first when I was thinking about how I would describe myself, you know, first and foremost, I'm a dentist, but really as I got more and more into my career, I realized that I was more of an entrepreneur and um, over the last few years, I've been able to, uh, you know, really explore that with my involvement with different organizations such as Entrepreneurs Organization. And once I talked to other fellow entrepreneurs, I realized that I could really align my myself with them and share the same values and stuff and we were really speaking the same language and that's really what kind of got me into other ventures and other opportunities such as Freshie. Um, so really I would describe myself as, as an entrepreneur and it just so happens that I'm also a dentist and uh, now a franchise owner with uh, Freshie. Nice. And how did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? At what age did you kind of figure out that's something you wanted to do and that was a path you wanted to take? Good question. I don't think I actually knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew that I wanted to be a dentist at an early age. It was in grade 10 when I was uh, in the science co-op program at my high school and we got to go to different uh, businesses and different industries to explore that and see what was interesting and uh, a potential occupation uh, or profession later in life. And, you know, I discovered dentistry at that time and I made some good uh, relationships at that time. And that really what got me interested in that. Um, but I will say that ever since, like, I could remember, I'd always get involved in everything. I'd always like to um, involve myself in, like, a management type position or some type of leadership position. And I always liked to be able to. Uh, help coordinate things and organize things and and be a leader and I think that's uh, really what being an entrepreneur is all about and um, and I think that came first my interest in leadership and learning and just involvement with different organizations and so that's really what how it came about but it, I can't really pinpoint a certain time that that occurred maybe even high school and then certainly into university you know for instance, one of my roles uh, in my first year of dentistry actually was uh, Vice President of Finance with the Alma Mater Society, and I got to run a $12 million budget, which is amazing. And for someone at the age of 21, that's a pretty awesome experience to have under your belt. And I had no experience in it whatsoever, but it was really something that uh, was of interest to me. And, you know, it was just another um, adventure that I wanted to take on. 
Paint the eyes a bit of a picture. So from high school, where did you go to high school and kind of to where you are today as a cosmetic dentist? How did that um, look for you? What did that journey look like? Mm -hmm. So I grew up in North Vancouver um, and went to Southern Island Secondary Public School. Um, not a lot of the students went to university directly. There was maybe, I'd say, 15 of the 200 or so graduates. Um, there, there were quite a few that went to post-secondary, but not a lot to, uh, to university. And, um, but I was always planning to do that. My parents had a lot of expectations for me, and that's just where the bar was. And their plan was for me to go to university. And I, as the uh, oldest uh, child, um, took that on. And you know, I was always one to kind of meet those expectations of my parents and try and exceed them, uh, whether that was soccer related or academic related. Soccer was a big part of my life. Um, growing up, playing um, you know at highly competitive level, all the way up to to professional, and um, and so that was uh, another example of that. And so uh, from that, I went from North Vancouver to UBC, and I wanted to stay local uh, just because I had a lot of opportunities uh, playing with the National Training Center uh, at SFU, and also uh, I had earned my my spot. Uh, the varsity team at UBC so that's kind of how I moved to UBC and then once I got to UBC I, I really wanted to get involved with everything on campus and so I lived in residence there joined a fraternity played varsity soccer and uh, tried to get involved in, in many of the clubs and so I, I spent about five years doing my undergrad started off in science and I realized that really what my interest was at the time uh, was in human kinetics and exercise physiology since I was already coaching soccer, doing personal training, and um, and coaching, um, and uh, and so I figured that since I was trying to achieve um, a place in dentistry, I wanted to have something that I was strong at, and so that's why I moved into human kinetics, and so I developed uh, a lot of strengths there, and um, tried to achieve grades that would allow me to get into dental school. my fifth year at UBC uh, and then went straight into dental school so I didn't take a break in between undergrad and, uh, and dentistry. Uh, looking back on it maybe perhaps I would have liked to have taken a year off to go travel and experience life before I uh, was going to hit the pavement hard there um, but I didn't um, and, and I don't necessarily regret that but uh, yeah I went straight through and graduated in 2006 in dentistry started off in private practice right away. From the sounds of it, it sounds like you've had a pretty uh, path that you've been a high achiever along the way. You've kind of pushed yourself consistently. Was that something that was instilled by your parents or where did that mindset come from to kind of be a high achiever, push and kind of go for so much? I think that a lot of people seek out acknowledgement in life. At least that's what I did. Um, and so you know, when you get a pat on the back, you're always looking for your next pat on the back. And, um, you know, that's the one side. I'd say that's the positive. The other side is, you know, and, you know, with my parents, they had such high expectations for me. It was always like, okay, you did this. Well, that's great. Well, what's next? 
and you know that was kind of instilled in me and I feel as though that's kind of what an entrepreneur is all about you know you reach this uh, this success and now all of a sudden that becomes a stepping stone for your next goal right and so unfortunately when when it comes to entrepreneurship it, it, it's you're never always completely satisfied, you know, and that's why these days I'm always trying to practice a lot of gratitude. Um, but you know, it was always trying to see what was what the the next goal is for me. Um, and yeah, I could I would say that it started from my parents, um, but then all the coaches and the mentorship that I've had along the way, who's given me that all the positive reinforcement, just continue to instill that. And then I think I, I realized that my involvement in whatever organization um, allowed for me to learn more and achieve more, and that kind of allowed me to kind of move on to the next uh, the next stage, so to speak. I think you really hit the nail on the head with like that's the entrepreneur's dilemma is that you know you set a goal and like before you even get there you're moving the goalposts right. And one of my mentors always says that it's just like I never even appreciate getting to the end of the finish line. It's like by the time I get there, I've already set my sights on like the next mountain, what I want to do. And I think that's really the thing about being an entrepreneur is that it's really easy to get caught up in the next thing and not even really recognize the achievements that you've had and what you've accomplished so far because like you always want more, you always want the next thing, right? And it's kind of like a never-ending rush. Totally. Um, I One of my favorite teachers, uh, Mr. Harley Cunningham, um, he, he was known for his quotes and he was always one to say it's all about the journey not the outcome and at that age you don't really think about that but I always look back on that and I'm constantly reminded of that line because that's really what makes life so exciting is is not really where you're going to end up it's the whole process to get there and it sounds totally cliche but really that's what life is all about you built two very successful dentistry practices already in your young life you have one in West Vancouver one in downtown Vancouver now you just bought your second practice What's allowed you to succeed? What do you think has really allowed you to develop such successful businesses at a young age? I would like to think that it's the constant attention to taking care of your customer. And in my case, it's the patient. And, you know, a perfect example of that is doing follow-up phone calls every night. Now, I don't do that every night, but if it's important, I will always follow up with the patient. And in an ideal world, and based on my schedule, I will call my patients. Every single evening just to see how they're doing and time to time again they'll pick up the phone and they'll be totally shocked that they've received a phone call from their their dentist but that really creates that relationship with patients and you know one of our, on our mission statement at Dendrave is you know our goal is to create long-term uh, patient relationships you know and that's really what it comes down to is creating that relationship that um, so you can actually talk to them about what's important and you can talk to them about what they want to see for their oral health and and then that's when you start seeing success because they know that you're caring for them and so they're more willing to a accept treatment and then also refer other patients because I'm uh, I have their interest in mind at all times. Prior to interview we met at Shambar, we had some drinks, we chatted a little bit. One thing that really stood out to me that evening when you were talking about your practices, you said that you ask the right questions a lot, and that you said was part of the reason you succeeded. Like, what do you mean by asking the right questions? I feel like there's a lot of gems within that context right there. Mm -hmm. So, 
when it comes to dentistry um, and any type of business for that matter, um, a big aspect of any business is sales. Now when you refer to sales and dentistry, that almost sales is, has such a negative connotation when you talk about healthcare practitioners. But what sales really comes down to is finding out what people want and delivering that for them. And so that's really what I mean by asking the right questions, is being armed with those questions and really finding out what it is that is getting them down, what they're self-conscious about, and what they truly want to receive in terms of their dental care, what's important to them. Because if you're not identifying what's important to them, then they're not going to be satisfied at the end of the day. And so really, that's what I mean by asking the right questions. So if they come in with a dental issue, asking about, okay, well, what's the situation? Uh, when did this first happen? How did you feel about that? And really tying in the emotion to what is going on with their mouth. Because when we talk about their mouth, it's, and it's easy for a dentist who's trained in all this science and what have you to stay in the left side of the brain talking about their logic but really what you want to get down to is talking about the right side of the brain talking about the emotion because that's where they're going to make all their decisions um, and so if you ask the right questions you're going to get onto the emotional side of things you're going to get a deeper relationship with that patient and you're going to get a truer understanding of what they truly want and then you can suggest treatment that will address all of those wants um, because if you start talking about them what they need, then they're just going to put up their hand and say, no, I don't need that. You really want to find out what they want and, and, and then deliver that to them. And so, you know, when it comes to um, dentistry, I think it's important to have that knowledge of asking the right questions. But at the same time, you also have to be armed with those clinical skills to deliver that for the patient. And I think that's, that's also what's made me successful is having both, both uh, available to me. One of my first mentors, Wayne Matsuyashi, the guy I interviewed before this podcast, when I was 14, he uh, asked me this question. He's like, here are some sunglasses. He's like, sell them to me, right? And so I was like young and just kind of like started pitching him on the glasses. And then at the end of it, he's like, I'm blind, right? And that was kind of like this big awakening. He just like, he totally fell for the trap where it's kind of just like, you know, like I told you to sell me these glasses, but you never asked a single question about me. And it's like what I need and what's important for me. And I think that's a key thing about being an entrepreneur is really understanding your customers and what they need. And it sounds like that's what you do with your business is that you really understand the needs of the customer. And when you do that, that's when you can really provide incredible service. And so part of that, do you get a lot of uh, customers, like a lot of positive feedback? I know on Google you've had five-star reviews. Like what are some like cases where people have been like over the top impressed with the service that you've given? Well, the wonderful thing about my profession is that you can really change lives. And my tagline, cheesy as it is is chasing changing lives one smile at a time and I love it and it's so true but it really is so cheesy I get it but that's what we, we really do for certain patients you know for those patients who come in every six months and they get their checkups and what have you and they they have their cleanings and maybe the odd filling or the odd crown that's great and all like dentistry isn't all that important to them that's fine but if they come in with a really um, crowded smile or tons of spacing or a missing tooth that has them really self-conscious, you know, I can walk in and help them determine, A, what their issues are and how they're feeling about it and then suggesting treatment to address it. And then once I change that for them, then all of a sudden I've changed their entire life. They're smiling more, they're more confident, they are 
they have a, a completely different outlook on life. And that's just amazing to me. And I never would have imagined that I could do that as a dentist. But that's really why I have gone the cosmetic and the implant route is because I can really address those issues that people are actually self-conscious about. You spoke at your old dentist school, it was at UBC that uh, recently, and one of the things you talked about uh, in the talk from what you told me about it is that they don't teach you business skills at dentistry school. And so you spoke to the class about that. What kind of skills do you feel were not taught in dentistry school about running a business? So in dental school, they teach you to be a great healthcare practitioner. They allow you to um, practice dentistry uh, very well on the clinical side. You should understand the literature and you're able to perform uh, procedures that is based on that literature. However, um, on the business side, there's so many different hats that you wear as a dentist. You know, you're just like any other small business owner. You're an accountant, you're, you're, you're in finance, you do your marketing, you're running a team, um, so you're doing a lot of HR, um, and you're budgeting for supplies and what have you, and you're also creating a brand. And so, you know, what a lot of uh, dentists don't realize is how important those other things are because really what we find in dentistry is that those stresses that we have, because a lot of people know that the stress in dentistry doesn't necessarily come from the dentistry itself, it's actually more from the business side of dentistry, dealing with patients uh, and issues and communication, uh, and then same thing on the staff side, dealing with communication issues there. So a lot of it comes down to communication, first and foremost. And um, if you don't address all the business side and the communication issues, then that's what's going to cause that stress. And so that's really what I focused on, um, because you know the more stressful things are when you deal with patient issues or complaints from staff or what have you. And so if you can uh, be a leader and help to lead your team and train them very well to communicate uh, well with other staff members and then also with patients, then you nip a lot of those problems in the bud. So how did you learn marketing? Because I totally agree with you, right? I feel like, you know, it sounds like, from what I would understand about dental school, be very technical. You learn about the mouth, you learn about teeth, and it'd be very scientific and really about, like, that whole side of it. But where did you learn your marketing skills, your sales skills, all those other non-technical things that not, aren't necessarily taught at a university? Of course. Um, you know, one of the big things in dentistry I find is, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Other people have done it before you, and... I basically looked at who are the leaders in dentistry and where do they learn from. And so I've basically developed my whole list of mentors and you know my list of books and I've really gone out throughout the world to learn from them. You know, I've been to Dubai, to Brazil uh, to learn from the clinical side and I've uh, used two different consulting firms to learn on the business side and I've read all the top business books in dentistry side and the business, the business side um, as suggested by my coaches along the way and so I think it really comes down to uh, mentorship and you know you also obviously have to have an, an initiative or um, to initiate that learning so picking up that book and reading through it you know um, everything is marketing uh, 
uh, is a perfect book to begin with, uh, which is from the guy who started uh, 1-800-DENTIST, and he's a marketing expert when it comes to dentistry. So that was one of the first books that I took on. And I think just the my business coaches in dentistry really helped that along. Do you currently have like a mentor or a coach that you work with right now in your business? I have several and you know I think the important thing is is to always be learning and so I'm always looking for other uh, other opportunities out there to connect with other people. Um, I've, I have some friends, I have a marketing director and she has a ton of experience. I have, I have another guy who works with Nike and he's amazing and he's all about storytelling and telling a story and again getting onto the emotional side of, uh, of whatever industry that you're in um, and then my my actual business coach he's a previous dentist who um, teaches the business side of dentistry to um, thousands of dentists throughout North America. You say storytelling I'm really big on Gary Vaynerchuk who's really big into social media and storytelling do you use social media right now? Like, I feel like when we talk about storytelling in 2016, it really, you know, you want to be using multiple platforms. Do you have a social marketing uh, platform that you use or kind of a campaign that you're doing? I don't. And it's one of the many things on the to-do list. And this is, um, well, we're kind of waiting to publish my website before we get into that. And really what I want to do, um, like Gary Vaynerchuk, is to do a video blog just because I like to, I want to put my face out into social media and really introduce patients to me even before they meet me. And I think that's going to be really powerful. So I want to do like a YouTube channel and I do have some videos on there right now, but I want, that's my plan moving forward. Um, but of course, you know, I'm only one year into my second practice and Freshie is opening in two weeks time so obviously there are certain things that I have to address like you know my mindset is that if you don't have your systems aligned then you shouldn't really spend, be spending that much time on the marketing side of things right and so we're constantly focusing on our systems and you know each of our departments how we're communicating to patients you know focusing on the internal marketing before we reach out to the external marketing because if you don't have the internal systems ready, the external marketing won't really produce the same ROI that you're hoping for. Um, now, mind you, social media is cheap, but at the same time, if you still aren't ready with your, all the internal systems, then there's not really any point. And the other thing is too, is you're, if you're getting a constant flow of patients or customers, uh, as I am right now, I don't really feel a need to go out just yet to um, seek out more through social media. But that is my plan, and I hope to have like a bigger name throughout Vancouver for both cosmetic and implant dentistry. Um, and that's kind of one of the ways that I'm gonna go about it. But it's gonna be more through, through video, I think. When you say systems, is that for you just to be more efficient and kind of have uh, a structure? So that way when you are looking to do marketing, like this business is already operating, it's self-sufficient, and now you can kind of look at extracurricular activities so you're not overextending yourself? Yes, that's one way of looking at it, but in terms of the business itself, in dentistry, it's more, okay, how can we have a, a stress-free schedule that can be profitable and, you know, have excellent patient flow uh, where we're not running late and everything is, uh, is moving forward 
seamlessly. Um, and, and then in terms of how do we communicate our brand to our patients? How do we inform them of all, all, all the various treatment options? How do we discuss their financial responsibilities? You know, a lot of these things I can't do. I can't do everything. And my goal is to do everything as a dentist that I'm trained to do. And that's to diagnose, to give treatment options, and then to do the treatment. But everything else should be done by my team. So I really need to find uh, a way to delegate all of that. And then another system would be the schedule. And how can we um, make it work for everyone? And another one would be uh, clinical protocol. Do we have a standardized set of uh, protocol that everyone can follow such that I walk into the room and my assistant knows exactly what I'm doing and we know exactly how long the appointment's going to take and we know exactly how we're going to talk to the patient and inform them of what we are about to do and then what we have just done and then what their financial responsibilities are at the end. And if everyone is aligned with that, it really gives such a better um, experience for our patient and that's what we're trying to achieve is a really positive patient experience which you don't always get in dental office of course because you know I'm inflicting pain and it's never all that pleasant but if we're tr if we can be compassionate with them and have excellent systems and great communication with them then they're beyond happy when they leave. I would have been your dream client as a, a patient I had like probably 14 20 cavities as a kid like just ridiculous but I used to hate going to the dentist. Like this guy was so old school, like zero personal skills, like no even like you know like how they used to like, give you like little a toothbrush or some kind of like gum, like none of that. Like this guy was like just a, he was a good dentist, like as a dentist, but it's like the personal side, like never did any of that stuff. And then when he retired, he sold his practice to this lady and she was phenomenal. Like I went in there when I was like twenty two and she'd give me like gum, she'd give me like all these things and like and it makes a huge difference, right? It's just like and it's little things but like she cared like, it seemed like she actually cared, right? And just like as opposed to him, like it was so monotonous, like he did the procedure, whatever had to be done, and there was no like communication, right? And it's such a key part, right? And it seems so obvious, right? But it's like you gotta have that communication side or else it's just like people don't enjoy it. Exactly. Um, patients don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and that's one of every morning we do a group huddle um, just going over the day um, the schedule what we're planning to do with each patient if any specific patient has any needs whether it's allergies whether it's certain comforts um, or it's just going to be a more challenging procedure and making sure that we have all hands on deck um, and then we always finish with a positive thought of the day. And so that's one of the positive thoughts that I will give on a more regular basis. And I think it's so true because they really want someone that cares about, um, about them. And, you know, they're not just another number when they walk into, um, into the dental office or another dollar sign. You know, I, I totally agree with that. And it doesn't have to come in the form of gum or lip balm or toothbrushes or anything like that. Um, but I think it's just the acknowledgement of, uh, of, you know, if they're in distress or if they're, you know, um, you know, really nervous or anxious, then addressing that and helping them get through that. Going back to mentors and coaches a little bit, is there anyone that stands out to you in your paths that really had a big impact either on your development 
as a kid uh, in university that's really helped shape or grow you? No. And the reason why I'm saying no is because I sought out to have multiple coaches along the way. And you know, you can only gain so much from each person through, uh, as you uh, take your journey. And you know, I, I did landmark uh, education. I learned all about being authentic uh, with other people and with yourself. That was a big one. I'm big on goal setting. And so I've studied how Lululemon does their goal setting. And I have a, a goal coach, Amanda Bodick from Dear Life, I Love You. Um, she's amazing. Um, and you know, I just joined Entrepreneurs Organization. I've been there with the last two years and they're absolutely fantastic. Tons of books on personal development, on happiness. You know, I've been a part of. Um, you know, and also it's all who you associate with. You know, the um, TED Talks, um, Whiskey Wiseman, that group there, Man Talks. Um, so it sounds for you, it's more. You kind of pull from different sources, different mediums. It's not just like you know, here's one coach that I kind of like follow and I like disciple. There is kind of like. You're looking at yeah, like the internet, like using, you know, YouTube or using TED, and then also having you know actual coaches and then different communities in Vancouver as well. So like you're not just focused on one place. You're looking for inspiration in, in more than one place. Totally, and I think it's important. Like, I think you need to identify what the reason that person is in your life for, and you know if it's mentorship or learning or what have you. When the learning is done, you kind of need to move forward. You know. Um, one of my uh, mentors that I've had ever since I graduated, I just um, kind of quit his program. Uh, his name's Dr. Mike Rasich. He's one of the most intelligent dentists I've ever met before. And I, I feel as though I've kind of moved in into a different realm of dentistry where I wanted to learn from someone else because once you spend enough time with someone, okay, well, you know, seven years for, for me was enough. And I think it's also important to realize when is when should you leave uh, that mentor or that group? And so, what's the sign? Like, when do you know you need to leave? Like, at what point is it just an intuitive feeling, or like, how do you know you've kind of reached that end point? I think it's when it, when you're no longer inspired, you know, or to look at it another way, when you get bored, right? Um, you know, I uh, or just when the learning is done. Like, I feed off of one of my passions in life is learning. To, to the next thing that will kind of feed that thirst. And when you're looking for a new mentor, like how do you identify what's next? Like is it something that like, again, is it just an energy, you get curious about a certain idea or topic, like how do you identify what you want to learn next and who's going to be the mentor that's going to help guide that journey? That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of it is identifying people that you look up to, other leaders in the industry and finding out where where they learned that information from, what made them great, and um, just like I said earlier on, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to have to find out exactly where they learned that information from, um, because everyone started from the same spot and they just got to a certain place through their own self development, whether that comes in the form of books or mentors or groups, you know. You just have to find out how they did it and then just latch on to that same process. Tony Robbins always talks about that, right? So modeling success. And so it's kind of like finding the people that are living a life or kind of, you know, doing what you want to do and kind of modeling that after them. So I totally agree with that. 
One thing uh, from talking to you, it seems that when you're doing your dentistry, you're really big on values and ethics. And obviously, from a legal standpoint, when you're practicing dentistry, there's probably a moral code or a legal code that has to be followed. But why are the values of kind of creating a really positive and happy practice and kind of having good communication with your clients and also with your own staff, why is that so important to you? Well, I think for anyone, it's important to enjoy what you do. And when I come to work each day, I want to be in a positive environment. I want to be surrounded by happy people so I can leave home happy. You know? And that's really what I've tried to do because if you create a positive atmosphere, especially for employees, they're not going to leave. They're not going to quit on you. And you know, one of the signs of a poorly run practice is constant turnover of your employees. And that goes with any business, really. And so, you know, if we're doing a, a group huddle every morning with, with a positive thought of the day, and at the end of the day, we have an afternoon huddle where we focus on positive focus, where we share something uh, within the group of some, identifies something specific that they did that very day that, that you want to show gratitude uh, for, you know, that really creates a positive environment throughout the whole, the whole team. And you want to kind of, kind of create that culture within the team, and then that's immediately passed on to the patient. So once they walk in, they're fed those positive vibes, and then they, they know they want to be there. You know, it doesn't take, like, marketing and all that stuff. Well, it is part of marketing, let's be honest. That's part of your brand. That positivity, that positive environment is, is huge. But it doesn't take the ads, whether it be um, digital or um, paper-based, to draw those patients. You want to actually create an amazing experience for your patients, for your customers, so that they can go out and tell other people uh, to come in because they've experienced the same thing. And I think that's what's so important, is really creating a, such a positive environment, especially in an industry as difficult as dentistry because it has such negative uh, connotations attached to it. It seems like you're a really strong leader, like you're talking about huddles and kind of pulling your team together for a morning thought and again, a, at the end of the day. Like for somebody that's running a business and is trying to kind of build more, you know, I guess communication between the team and kind of trying to be a better leader, um, talk a little about your day-to-day -day routine and kind of what you do within your practice. Sounds kind of interesting. And what they might be able to do to kind of be a better leader within their own company. So, great question. Um, the one thing that, for whatever reason, what first came to mind was the, the line progress, not perfection. And so every day I'm trying to make constant improvements to my practice um, and my business with Freshie as well. Um, you know, y you can't do everything in a day, and I, I think you have to set certain realistic expectations every day. So that's how I will start. I'm big on lists, I'm big on my to-do lists and what have you, um, but really what it comes down to is <clears throat> creating those checklists, creating the, the, the timeline uh, of, okay, when you come in, this is what you're going to do before everything opens. You have your morning huddle, and that's key. Being on time and being present within that group. And then, you know, for the, the day, making sure everything is there, whether it's um, the crowns made by the lab or, you know, having all the implant parts. Making sure you're prepared for every single patient. And then when you go into every single patient, the other thing is, too, is from a dentist perspective, whenever you walk into the business, you're always uh, on stage, so to speak. So you walk in, you hang up all of your um, dirty laundry 
uh, at the door there, and you any type of baggage you leave to the side and you walk in and you are performing essentially for the day where you want to keep a, an upbeat, positive um, demeanor such that people will buy into that and they will also be positive. If, if you have any uh, baggage going into each and every day and it happens to be negative, then that can really easily disperse throughout the team. So I think that that's another thing that I, that I always try and go into. Um, take for instance today, I had a 12 hour day today, but at the end of the day I was still happy and smiling and you know, I can't walk in to, to see any patient and greet them with a frown. That just makes no sense whatsoever. You know, so attending to each patient and making sure that you do everything possible to give them a positive experience. Um, and at the end of the day, if, if you can and it, it, if you, um, again, set yourself up for success, you have a meeting with your group, you do your, your positive focus, you uh, show your gratitude to your teammates, and then everyone leaves on a positive note. And then when I leave, when I go home at the end of the day, you know, you want to try and make sure that you know you haven't left any unfinished business, any any conversations that you should have had during the day. You want to try and address any issues or conflicts at that time, and not kind of having them fester. Um, and then just doing what you enjoy in the evening. You mentioned twelve-hour days just a second ago, and you said uh, you know enjoy what you can in the evening. For you, where is that work-life balance? How do you strike that? between, you know, even scheduling this podcast, and I appreciate the time, it was, um, you know, challenging coordinates, and like you're pretty busy, there's a lot going on, so how do you strike that balance for yourself, kind of like between work and your personal life, and really grounding yourself so you're not burning yourself out? I think the important thing also comes down to is like whatever you put on your schedule, whatever you're doing, you should be enjoying it, right? Like when we first chatted about this, I was really excited to be a part of the podcast and you know that's something that I want to get get more involved with and so I was excited for this right so for most people when they're finished a 12-hour day as exhausting as it was I'm walking to your place here and I'm super excited to be able to kind of share my thoughts and ideas on leadership and entrepreneurship so I think that's what it comes down to is filling your day with amazing stuff right um, you know life to me is, is an adventure and so everything that I do in a day whether it's who I hang out with or the different activities that I do that's what keeps me going you know some people suggest that I never sleep and I do actually sleep uh, but you know it's just that life is just too exciting to kind of you know waste your energy on you know things or people that will reduce that energy I was listening to an interview with this guy, David Shitters, um, the day, and the really interesting thing that came out of that interview is he talked about, hell yeah or no, and that's his mindset, and it's basically like, if he's asked to do something, it's like, it has to be like, hell yeah, I'm doing it, or it's an obvious no, and it's kind of like, when he was younger, he talked about wrestling with kind of like priorities, and choosing what he wanted to do, and at one point, it's like, I think he was like, whether he's going to go on a trip with his ex-girlfriend, and he's kind of just like, trying to figure out whether he's going to go or not, and his friend's like, What's either like a hell yeah, like you're really stoked about doing it or not, or it's a no. And he's kind of used that for his entire life. And he said it's really been the philosophy that guides him because like you're not excited like you just said about what you're doing. It's like, well, what's the point of doing it, right? And it seems so simple, but it's kind of a good way to govern your decision making. It's like it's either a simple no or you're really excited to do it. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I've read that same 
uh, concept and I totally stand behind that and I think I, I live that um, and one of my good friends she posted on Facebook once that uh, she's like alright I'm going to start the whole concept of what would Nick Seddon do and she's really and then if you look at everything that she's done moving forward you can tell she's had a pretty amazing life uh, ever since she, she did that and uh, I was obviously super grateful and, and, <laughs> and appreciative of, of that shout out but you know and every single time I, I run into people that I haven't seen in a while if we happen to be Facebook friends or whatever they're like oh your life is just so crazy da 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 you, like how do you sleep and you know but it just comes down to that it's just making sure that everything that you do when you're making time for someone or something it better be awesome because if it's not then why are you doing it well even when we met um you're doing grand fondo right is that uh, yeah and so <laughs> yeah. so for those so nick biked from vancouver to whistler which is like how many kilometers is that uh, I don't know, 160? 160 kilometers, caught like 110 miles in that quickly in my head. So, and it's not an easy bike ride. Like, this is uphill through the Rocky Mountains, like from Vancouver to Whistler. It's grueling. And then, so you finish that ride, and then you came and you did the bungee jumping because it was Julian 10,000 days alive. Yeah. And I'm like, this guy's a crazy mofo, but I love him at the exact same time just because it's like, you biked all the way from Vancouver to Whistler, and now you're bungee jumping, and then so it really speaks, I think, to your personality and kind of uh, your mindset on life, and just kind of going for it and living the most out of it. Totally, and you know, I'm glad you you brought Julian up. Like him and Chasing Sunrise is amazing, and that's how we met. And uh, you know, that's a perfect example of people that you hang out with. And you know, I've only met Julian in the last year or so and he's such a great guy um, love all of his um, passions and we share so many passions about basically like just having an, an amazing life and him and I could just chat for hours uh, about about all the adventures that life has to offer and it's just amazing And but I think what's important there is finding those types of people and you know, surrounding yourself by them you know, and, and I think that's the, the mentality that I've kind of set for myself and you know that's kind of why I'm uh, I don't know that's kind of I think that's why my, my life is is so exciting to me at least and I totally agree with you it's like and I think it's become easier than ever like as the millennials like there's so many communities online like I just interviewed Connor from Man Talks and then we have Julian here with Chase Hunter and those are very Vancouver based but I would say like all across North America I'm sure there's very similar groups popping up where you can find like-minded people that are passionate and have a zeal for life and you can really get involved and even like if you don't have those communities it's like I'll link Man Talks and I'll link uh, Chasing Sunrise and they've built great Instagram communities and Twitter communities and have great podcasts and it's like and so all that is like there's so much available to us now through the internet where there, there's no excuses anymore right it's kind of like if your life is not what you want it to be the onus is on you it's you taking responsibility for it because it's like it's all at your fingertips, right? Like you can get on YouTube, you can get onto Apple Store and go to the podcast. Like there's just so much out there that it's like the information is endless, and so you really have to take responsibility for your own life. Hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, actually going back to our group huddles, the the quote that I gave today was, "This is your life. Do what you love and do it often." You know, and it's it's so true. And and if you're not doing what you love, then change that. 
last time we talked, you know, about um, you know getting addicted to your paycheck and you know um, working and just to kind of pay the bills and what have you. You know, we spend so much of our time uh, in our occupation that you know if you don't enjoy what you do, then you need to change that immediately. And the numbers, the statistics um, for how many people dislike their job is astounding. And I'm so surprised by that, but when it comes down to it, my theory on that is that, you know, that you've kind of created a lifestyle for yourself that is enjoyable, and so you're just trying to trudge along within your occupation just to pay those bills and just to have that lifestyle, but then at the same time you're in a complete rut, and, you know, I would, I would argue that, you know, a lot of people don't realize all the possibilities that are out there for them, but they just don't realize them. And I think for people out there, it's like, even what I'm doing, it's like, I work a nine to five job or seven three, whatever you want to call it, but it's like, I build this podcast on top, right? And for me, the goal one day is to quit my job and really kind of like do this as a full-time thing. But I think the key thing is just to start, right? And kind of like have a job and like, you know, pay your bills, but whatever it is that you want to pursue. And it's like, when I do these podcasts, I love it. I love sitting down with people and chatting with people and the blog posts I put out. And you got to follow that. I think that's the key thing, right? And it's not about necessarily like, whatever you need to do to make money right away. It's like, do what you have to do to make money, and then do your other thing on the side, right? And hopefully that other thing eventually becomes a source of revenue and business for you. But it's gonna start off like, you have to take step backwards first before you move forward, and you can't expect to make money off right away. So I think if I have any piece of advice, it's like, you just gotta start, right? And kind of start going down that path, because that's a key thing. Exactly, and you know what's interesting is that's exactly how Freshie came about. You know, um, everything was going well within my dental practice, but I felt that I kind of hit a plateau and I was doing well financially, but at the same time, it wasn't exciting for me. You know, I was in a very small practice in West Vancouver and it was great. Like, I'm doing amazing dentistry, you know, changing lives and what have you, but at the same time, I still felt that I needed to learn more. Um, and in, in this case, it was more along the business side. And then I stumbled upon when I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, freshy, uh, and I whipped out my camera immediately, just taking photos of the entire store. I ordered like two of the entrees, and I was hooked from the very beginning. And then I discovered that it was finally in Vancouver, and then I wanted to to jump on that and and see what what it was all about. And sure enough, um, even despite the fact that I was running two dental practices, I'm still able to open up my own Freshie, and that's just because I'm passionate about it, and, you know, I make time for it. And I was going to ask that why Freshie, but I think you just kind of answered a little bit, like, was it really a passion, and you had an interest in healthy food? Like, what made you decide, like, hey, I'm a dentist, but I want to do something else on the side? Like, what sparked that transition to launch a franchise? Mm -hmm. So... A lot of my friends and, and colleagues have gone the, uh, the academic route and went back to do their MBAs, but I felt that as a small business owner and an entrepreneur, like I don't know how much an MBA would give me. And you know, if, even if you listen to people like Gary Vaynerchuk, they don't see any value in an MBA because really what it comes down to is what you learn from your day to day and taking those risks and learning from your mistakes. And so I said, screw it, let's, let's see what, what's out there and um, you know, let's look at other opportunities because I was somewhat in, in a rut in my practice in West Vancouver. And then it just so happened that both the practice downtown and Freshie dropped in my lap 
but I couldn't say no to either of them. And I'm so happy that I made that decision to take both on. And a lot of people told me to say no to Freshie because they're like, look, you're a dentist, you can do whatever you want already. From a business standpoint, why would you even want to take this on? Like my own family was asking me that question. But, you know, I think that a lot of people, especially those closest to you, will always ask questions or try and protect you from making those mistakes. But I really want to make those mistakes. I want to learn from them so I can be a better person and a better entrepreneur and more successful in whatever aspect that I'm uh, pursuing. And so that's kind of kind of how I jumped on the freshy train. And really, it also comes down to healthy living. You know, a big part of the freshy uh, model is all about you know childhood obesity, fast food, and everything about it, and how negative it is. And you know, what if we were to you know provide the world with healthy fast food, and where you're and then you're also promoting that whole idea to people and it's it's now become like a huge movement and that's why I think the, the freshy uh, model is so successful. And I think a key thing is for any uh, people listening is like you gotta know your risk appetite like I would never go do an MBA I'm in your same boat right and I think for me like I would never go back to school never gonna do that but some people like doing an MBA is the right path for them because they might not have the appetite to learn by doing and like I'm a haptic learner, so I learn by doing, but not everyone has that learning style. And one thing Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about is self-awareness, right? So it's like, if you are gonna pursue something, have a deep understanding of what way works best for you. And for some people, it might be launching a business, and it might work out really well, or you might mess it up and you might fail with it. And for some people, it means going back to school, but it's really understanding what works for you, because it's like, I know going back to school for me is not really, I went to university, got two degrees, but it's just like, it's not really, I feel like I got so little out of it, and I've gotten way more out of it since I've been done university than I did anything in school. And so really understand what it is your learning style is, and follow that. That's the key thing. Totally agree. I do want to get to gratitude. You mentioned gratitude earlier in the podcast. You said, you know, we talked about moving the goalposts forward. How do you practice gratitude in your life, and what are you doing right now to kind of have a little more appreciation? Because that's definitely something that's really important. So I've done some... So not research, but I, I've read up on, on it and I try and practice it as much as I can. I, I did purchase a gratitude journal, uh, the five minute gratitude journal uh, over the holidays. I haven't put it into practice just yet. Um, I think that was the one that was it Tim and Ferris that, that recommended. I think he's on the, the website there. Um, but like I understand the concept of gratitude and I, I try and practice it as much as I can. And what I find is that when you go out of your way to show appreciation for other people, A, you feel good about yourself and they'll feel good about themselves as well. Um, and so, you know, whether that comes in the form of a compliment, a thank you, an email uh, showing appreciation, it, it, it shows so much compassion for that person and they'll usually return it back to you. And, you know, even in my, in my relationship with, with my girlfriend, so much more open uh, with um, everything that I, I appreciate her for and it's just kind of come back to me in droves just uh, whether it's you know um, you know just in terms of all the other emotions that go with it and I think that's so crucial um, to your happiness in life really. I can change it up a little bit here we got some rapid fire questions to uh, uh end off the podcast here. 
Uh, first off, do you meditate at all? We're just talking about gratitude. Is meditation something you do? I don't. No meditation. Okay. What is your favorite movie of all time? I always say Amalie. Um, it's a uh, French film um, with subtitles and I'm a bit of a hopeless romantic. And uh, that's always kind of something that I've kind of envisioned for my uh, future relationship, which is now my current relationship. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I kind of put that out there into the universe and it's finally arrived. So it's pretty exciting. So that's always been my uh, favorite movie, and I know it's totally cheesy, but uh, but I love it. It's funny. I think I've tried to watch the movie two or three times, and then I've never actually sat through it. <laughs> the subtitles just like I can't do this. <laughs> but I have to reconsider now and try to sit through it. You should. You really should. Favorite book of all time, or book that you've recommended the most, or given out? Uh, you've obviously read a fair bit. What any one or two that kind of come to mind? Um. The one that kind of stands out for me, especially kind of when I thought about this podcast, and, you know, it's not one that always comes out that often, but uh, one that I strongly believe in is Talent is Overrated by Jeffrey Colvin. And it talks about, um, you know, you're not born with that talent, you create it, um, whether that's in sports um, or anything, uh, uh, business, or what have you it all comes down to hard work and perseverance and you know you do get lucky at times but it's really creating your own luck and that book kind of shows so many examples of of that and it helps to inspire every single average person that um and i put up quotations there <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering yes look at that um you know, and I think it, it helps to inspire everyone that if they really um, put themselves out there and work their asses off, then they'll be successful. What's something most people don't know about you? It's a tough one, I know. Oh, wow. Can you say something nerdy about you, too? I wasn't expecting this. You can always pass if you need to. I'm going to pass. I'll come back to it. Okay. Any predictions for the Oscar? Uh, best picture? Oscars are coming up shortly. The <laughs> uh, first thing that came to mind was Star Wars, but I highly doubt that. <laughs> I don't think they'll even get a nomination. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, oh. I, I couldn't even tell you. You know what's funny is my world... I, I would be able to tell you in past years, but this particular year um, has just been filled with, you know, three businesses and an amazing relationship and, uh, you know, I've got a lot going on my plate and, you know, I haven't really watched a lot of movies and uh, so, and, and I'm, I'm pretty happy about that actually. Well, that sums it up pretty nicely. Any uh, last words you want to leave for the audience or any advice you want to kind of pass on before we wrap up? Um, Actually, it's just funny. My computer is open to uh, this amazing quote that I'm sure you've heard before. And I think this really kind of um, describes my life and at least what I'm trying to create for myself. And it's uh, from Francois-Auguste René Chateaubriand. Uh, A master in the art of living draws no sharp distinction between his work and his play. His labor, labor and his leisure 
his mind and his body, his education and his recreation. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence through whatever he is doing and leaves others to determine whether he is working or playing. To himself, he always appears to be doing both. Beautiful. I'll uh, put that full quote into uh, the podcast notes so people can uh, read through it. Nice. If people want to get a hold of you, um, what's the best way to reach out to you? You're on LinkedIn, anything like that? Twitter, what's your... Um, I'm a big Facebook guy, but um, maybe uh, Facebook, email. Uh, email is n7 at gmail.com. That's probably the easiest. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I'm not the biggest social media guy. At least I, I'd like to be one down the road, but uh, but for now, email is probably best. Okay. And are you okay fielding questions if somebody wanna, wants to reach out to you? Are you cool people uh, sending you an email? Of course, by all means. I love helping others. Awesome. So I will uh, link that all up. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Nick, thank you for sitting down. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate you sitting down today. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in today.